Before we start this episode, I thought I'd tell you that I've got a new book out. Yes, another one. This one is to help coaches supercharge their coaching capability through reflective journaling. Coaching Journal, a guide and journal, walks you through the process by, well, providing you with a guide and some structured reflective models. So pop over to Amazon and get this quick, practical and insightful book today to start your journey towards a more successful professional practice. What would you put in your backpack if you had a new coaching engagement but could only take a limited number of items? Each week, the Coach's Backpack looks at the multifaceted world of coaching and asks a new guest to tell us what they would take with them and why. Hi, I'm David Lowe, and this week we're taking a peek inside the backpack of Jim Wiley. Welcome, Jim. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. I am very excited to hear what you're going to choose to put in your Coach's Backpack. But before we start talking about your backpack items. How would you describe what you do in under 20 words? So I help organisations to normalise change and to get really good at it. I think that's hard to describe it. Mm, All right, well, we will dig into this further as we go through your backpack choices. So thank you for that. Okay, well, here is the challenge that we've got for you. You've been asked to coach a new client but are limited to what you can take with you. So don't worry, you have your essentials. You've got your clothes, your toothbrush, your overtight selection of Lycra. Uh, And in addition to this, you can take one book, one tool, technique, concept, method, approach, whatever you want to call it, one other item of your choice, plus a person from the past or the present to accompany you. So Jim Wiley, what and who would you take with you? And why? Can I can I can I just clear this up first though? Like, <laughs> unless I'm able to also take my bike, I probably wouldn't be packing the lycra. <laughs> well, you you say this. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> that's yeah, true. It's not. Yeah, I don't just wear it around. Uh, it has a specific use, but but yeah, that, that's a nice thought that I can take my bike away with me. So sorry, you, you want it, who am I taking with me? Was the question. Well, all of these. So your book, your tool, technique, approach your other choice and your person you can go in any order you wish and I just want to get that image of you wandering around in your lycra out of my head as soon as possible so let's crack on (laughs) well maybe we start with a book because I think that helps me to frame a little better what an agile coach is and you know there's lots of as with all of these terms and labels there's lots of contention around that in the industry So the book I'm choosing to take with me is a book called Leading Change by a gentleman called John Cotter. And I actually struggled with this one quite a bit, but I believe that agile coaching is about helping organizations to achieve business agility. And I I define business agility as the ability to leverage change for commercial gain. But change is really hard. And what Cotter does in this book is as with a lot of other people, he's got his kind of steps. He's got his eight steps and there's loads and loads of texts around saying, you know, here's the magic X number of steps that you can take to, to help somebody transform their thinking. But his, for some reason, sticks with me. And I go back to it quite a lot, especially during those kind of hard times when you're with a client and you're sort of slogging through and it's not really you know, they're pushing back quite hard. It's not really working. You can't see their thinking changing. And and just being able to go back to this book, I think is really useful. Kind of refresh your mind about how you could go about it. I think, you know, there's a standard set of steps in here. 
but it sort of recognizes as we as we all do that each client each individual client each organization is very different so it's packed full of things that are universally applicably good things that you might do so that's why i'm uh, that's why i'm taking this book okay you can answer one of these two questions uh, one is what are the eight steps and then the other question if you don't want to answer that is which is the client that's been the hardest to work with uh, i don't well all cli- like i said all clients are different i don't think there's any one client that's easy to work with they're certainly easier to work with but they're all a challenge that's why they hire people like me i guess so i'll go with the first one but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you all eight steps because i think that would ruin it for people who want to read it but for anyone interested step one establishing a sense of urgency so asking the client really to think about and understand why they might want to change in the first place and that's a critical first step because without without being able to kind of get through to that point if they don't believe they want to change then what are we actually going to do together like why are we here so establishing that sense of urgency for the organization is a key first step thank you and you and i both know because i know this industry as well lots of people approach agile coaches with the aim of we want to be agile Right, and that's the that's the aim that they come with. What's your view on that? I think it's back to front thinking. It's where we fo- that comes or stems from where we're focused on process and tooling and practice, and they think it they think it can be easily codified. They're, they're looking for an easy answer. Essentially, what ends up happening is they apply the same thinking that they've always applied, but just using the new tools and surprise surprise nothing really changes so agile coaching in the same way that any other coaching is is about helping people to transform their thinking and therefore their behavior not just going in with a load of tools and and hoping that that will do the job because it because it doesn't or won't well and this might be a nice segue into our next item for your coach's backpack. I don't know. So the tool or technique or concept or method or approach or whatever you want to call it, what are you going to put in for that? So I did think a little bit about this and I thought, oh, can I go in with something smart and big like systems thinking? And But no, we're on a short podcast and that sort of stuff takes quite a while to describe. So I went, wanted to go with something that kind of emphasize the core principles behind agile and also that has impact because i talk to my clients a lot about the positive impact they're having on their customer so the any kind of tool technique concepts or approach that i use with them also has to have impact they are my customer in effect so i'm going with hypothesis driven experimentation as a well i guess it's you could describe it as any one of those four, a tool, yeah, a technique, a concept, or an approach. You can use it in any way like that. There's this the kind of idea of empiricism, which is at the heart of Agile. So the idea that we do something and what we learn from doing that thing informs what we do next, yeah, in a very simple way. And, and what this hypothesis-driven approach does is allows us to, it creates a framework for those hypotheses and our thinking and drives us then to say, well, based on this outcome, what are we going to do next? So 
you can frame it. We believe that this change, whatever it is that you're going to change, will generate this outcome, this particular outcome, and we'll know that's happened when we see this measurable signal. Yeah, and what's good about it is it's really versatile. So you can use it to define improvement experiments. You can use it to create product change experiments. So something that you might want to run a quick test on with a set of customers. So yeah, it's pretty versatile and it has a whole load of impact. Cool. And obviously, you know, it's very much in my heart because cheeky plug for my book, The Lemonade Stall is about exactly this. Yeah. But you didn't yeah. choose that for your book. So your Christmas card is not coming in the post. <laughs> Have I ever got a Christmas card from you? Possibly. <laughs> You're not going to now. If you ever did, it was the last one. Uh, I'm only joking. But, you know, in all seriousness, so this tool, this specific tool and technique, I think is really impactful. But that, you know, if we're talking about agile coaching as a thing, a lot of what we do is, is helping people to reframe their thinking using these sorts of tools. Yeah, but but doing it in a doing it in a scientific way rather than it just being a bit of guesswork. So how will we know that this change has had the impact that we want it to have? And thinking about that before we make the change. That's really in essence what this thing is doing for us. And it goes back to what you were saying just before, in that if someone's just being agile or just wants to be agile as a thing, well then there's no actual output, right? There's no outcome. There's no benefit that they're saying. So if we do this, we'll get this. Well, what are you going to get just by being agile? Yeah, you're going to do, you're probably going to end up doing the same thing just in a different way. Uh, is where we are. Without the thought change, without the change in the way of thinking, without looking at the, the system and how it operates, and really looking at it, like stepping back and looking at it objectively, and then trying to understand how we could change it for the better, it's not going to work. We're, we're, we end up, I think um, optimizing locally. So a lot of the a lot of the clients that I work with are software development companies or departments, software development departments within large organizations. And it's always seen as, okay, go in there, work with those people because they're the people that are going to do delivery. But those folks can't can't be agile on their own. You know, the essence of it is collaboration, communication. The whole organization needs to think about their part in that. Doing this podcast, I realized that the word, the term coach is obviously used by many different people. And one thing that distinguishes the different types of coaches is how directive they are. So people bring you into their organization and they want to achieve this thing. How much guidance do you give them? I think as an agile coach, you are definitely stepping between these various different roles or the different hats that we're wearing most companies, as you've said, are, are looking for that quick fix, right? Come in, give us some tools and practices. And so when they're hiring you, and, and clearly, you know, you have these conversations ahead of time, so you're preparing them. You're not going to take work with a customer who's not going into it with their eyes open, but you're not talking to everyone in the organization. And largely, they're hiring you for your, as, a, as an agile subject matter expert, an SME. And, and people don't know what they don't know. So there is an element of teaching and training, uh, a big element of that. And often we start with that. So we, we try to get a baseline knowledge for everybody so that we can, we can move forward with a shared understanding of, of what the terms are, the practices are, what it means, et cetera, et cetera. 
and it's only then that you kind of you're able to step more into coaching and get those open powerful open questions going and really try and understand the business so to you an agile coach is an element of teaching is an element of mentoring is an element of coaching is an element of facilitating sometimes it's a all-encompassing term is it I'd say so yeah if done well and I'm not suggesting that I do it like better than anybody else I probably don't but yeah I think the, the the trick with it is to know when again as with any coaching and to signpost when you are one or the other or the other so is this a mentoring conversation am I working with somebody who who after I'm no longer with the client is going to need to understand this and be able to to work with other people in the organization in the way that I've been doing. I, I see sustainability as a big part of any, I'm not, I hate to use the word transformation, but, but any, any change in thinking, right? So it's, if they're reliant on me to be there, then I'm not doing my job effectively as a coach. The thinking has to transform with them, again, as it does with, with any other form of coaching. Okay, good, thank you. So we should probably press on because we've still got a couple, we've still got one item to put in your backpack of any item of your choice. And we've still got the person. And the person, by the way, doesn't have to fit in the backpack. They just accompany you, right? Yeah, that's good. That'd be a pretty big backpack. Um, so is anyone who's met an Agile coach before will say, like, they always come with this thing. So I've chosen, the item I've chosen is Post-its and Sharpies. <laughs> the stereotype yeah well and you're going to tell me that's two items but like i don't believe it is i mean what is a post-it without a sharpie and what is a sharpie without a post-it they were kind of like they were made to go together i think confucius said that right yeah, i think he did. Yeah, yeah what is a post-it without a sharpie and we should just be very clear on this because uh, i don't want to i don't want to upset anyone but there are other makes of sticky notes and of large felt tip pens there are I'd say those other makers of sticky notes perhaps haven't got it quite right yet. So post it for me, I, I'm, you know, I'm a brand ambassador. I'm going with it. They've done the job. Are you, you going to get it on your Lycra? Is this, are you going to well, have like a sticky note, a post-it note on your, on your ass? Well, that would suggest <laughs> that I'm a sponsored rider. I'm definitely not that good. So no, but you know, I'd be open to that if they're, if they're up for it. And yeah, Sharpies are the natural choice. They just work. It all stands out on there. Biro doesn't stand out. It's a practical thing more than a brand thing in that case. But so yeah, post-its and Sharpies and lots of. Any specific type of post-it? Because I know the specific types that some people are obsessed about. Yeah, I mean, we're stretching this segment a little bit, aren't we? But... Um, <laughs> I mean, this is what this is what people come for, Jim. Just to be clear, <laughs> this kind of premium content. This is the gold of this podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, there are there are different types of post-its. The super sticky ones are the best ones, and you know, if we really want to stretch it, and obviously you, your listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but in order to peel, when I say peel, it's more of a pull to pull the post-it off the top. You pull it down you, with a sharp thing, sharp motion. And that guarantees that it doesn't curl. So there you go. There's a type of post-it and there's even a method 
behind the madness. Maybe you can uh, record a video that we can send out for people to show them the real way to put a sticky note and we'll send it out to our mailing list, which if you haven't subscribed, you should subscribe to our mailing list. You get lots of extras in it. Just before we move on, and I know we, we're stretching this, as you said, the one thing I hate is those concertina sticky notes. You yeah, seen those? They are I have, really like they're, irritating. They're sort of stuck together top to tail. Yeah. I wonder Why? where the idea came from, what the idea for... They probably go into some kind of container that pulls out and it... Uh, yeah. Desk organised or something ridiculous. But anyway, one last question on this of your choices. Who are you taking? Well, I thought if we, I'm getting to go away somewhere, it'd be nice to take my wife. But then I realised that the kids would then just be home alone. So that's not really... Uh, that's not an option. You, you know, could just give them a packet of, of post-it notes to, to keep them busy yeah. and then be all right, wouldn't it? A bowl of, like a little trough full of food and then leave them to it. Well, look, there's, you know, there's so many change agents, great change agents, system thinkers, authors, that sort of stuff that would be useful on any kind of client engagement. But what brings that all together is the coach themselves. So I, I thought I settled on taking another agile coach with me. And the, the main reason for that is I think when you work in pairs, I think that's the, the agile coaching equivalent of supervision in a way. So you've got someone there to bounce ideas off, validate your thinking, to challenge you appropriately, and obviously to kind of share the burden. And we've all been on those, those client engagements where you're sort of, you're sat, you're on your own with 600 people you've never met before for months at a time. It can be a lonely place really. And I know that, you know, people, we talk a lot, and we've got other colleagues who've been in the same industry and, and, and that's all good, but it's really difficult because they don't understand the context that you're in or the nuances of the client relationship that you've got. So, so yeah, I, I think it would be another Agile coach that I'd take with me. All right. So you've picked your items. You've got your backpack packed. Sometimes we don't pack everything in our backpack. Maybe your wife, you mentioned, has helped you pack. Maybe something that you don't want to be there sneaks in so what would you want to make sure is not in your backpack hmm, so which which scaling framework should i choose to answer this question no i'm not going to do that because we'd end up talking about that for about an hour no i'm going to choose something equally controversial and that is jira i'm not going to pack jira into my backpack and for those people i i, I suppose that are listening that don't know what jira is it is an agile lifecycle management tool and the pure evil, the root of a significant, <laughs> well, it plays a massive part in perpetuating agile anti-patterns. And that's not Jira's fault. It's the fault of people that use it or misuse it rather. And there are, as I, as I suspect in lots of other coaching spheres, plenty of people calling themselves coaches who aren't necessarily and don't think about it in the right way and like to give clients what they want, which is the answers and this solid solution. And it comes in the form of Jira quite a lot. Yeah. Big organizations love it because it gives them audit trail and can be used for governance and, and all of those things that they value more than actually getting stuff done. But it kills communication in my experience, kills collaboration prevents almost in some cases actively prevents people from working together and for that reason i i don't really like it it's also so easy to overcomplicate. like it doesn't take much to make it really really hard to use out of the box it could be very simple 
And I think they started off with the right intentions, but it's gone too far now. So it's the people's usage of, of this tool that's yeah. particularly the problem. Yes, yeah. Right. Because they, they see it as the solution to everything. And, and like I say, there's, there's plenty of people out there in our industry who've supported that idea. Yeah, because it, it's, it's an easy way of uh, earning money from a client. They don't have to think differently to be able to use this. As in fact, this kind of supports their existing mindset in a lot of cases. So they're not really coaching is my, is my suggestion there. Can you give me an example of how it kills communication? So, yeah, you, you have these, these work items, yeah, work item types, and they create, in effect, tickets. It's a ticketing system. And it allows you to comment on those tickets. And so rather than that comment being, I guess, a supporting statement after we've already had a face-to-face or a verbal conversation over the phone to document what we described, it becomes people's primary mechanism for communication. And of course, lots and lots of things slip through the net because people don't read those comments. They just don't. You can set it up such that it emails you when someone comments on something that you're working on. You end up getting so many emails from that thing that you switch them off. And so again, you're just ignoring what's going on. It's useful as a way of recording decisions made and conversations had, but it is not effective as a primary method of communication. Right. Jira is not going in your backpack. Definitely not. So everything's packed. We know what you are and are not taking. We know who's going with you. Where do you hope you are or are not heading? Like any coach, an agile coach can't coach an organisation that doesn't want to be coached. You've got to have engagement. So I think if I had the ideal place to be heading, it would be somewhere with an engaged leadership team who are are willing to reflect and then sponsor and model any changes that they identify. A lot of places where you go, if the leadership team is not engaged, with change it makes it very difficult for the rest of the organization to be engaged with change because they don't feel like they have permission so that's not to say that that leadership team will be defining every change that we make but they they need to and i mentioned normalizing change they will need to operate in a way that makes the rest of the organization feel safe to try things that won't necessarily work out yeah, and for that to be okay. So yeah, somewhere with an engaged leadership team, I think. That's how we get the best out of Agile coaching. Well, and that seems a good place to wrap this up, I think, Jim. So if people want to know more, where can they go? I don't really have anything to plug. I just wanted to come on here and have a good chat with you. But we wrote a book together a while back, which I'm sure you're plugging anyway. I don't do cheap plugs on this. You, do you would never catch me mentioning any of the books I've written. All right, so Scrum 101, 101 Questions About Agile with Scrum, was written, what, 2017 now? So, you know, a few years old, but still a great reference text, I hear, from all of the, all of the thousands of readers that we, that we have. That's available on any good Amazon website, so you can buy it there. And, well, Jim Wiley Coaching is the name of my company. I do personal coaching as well as organisational coaching, as we've described. I'm an accredited coach, PCC with the ICF. So I have some creds and and plenty of agile experience and industry qualifications if those are important to you. 
Superb. Well, thank you, Jim Wiley, for being a guest on the Coach's Backpack. My pleasure. It was, uh, it was good to be here, David. Thank you. Good conversation. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Coach's Backpack. If you would like extra goodies, such as free tools, offers, further info about our guests, including maybe Jim Wiley peeling off a sticky note, and maybe even the odd peek inside their actual backpack, sign up to our mailing list at thecoachesbackpack.com. And I guarantee there will not be a picture of Jim in like that. And don't forget to follow the podcast too. See you next time. Thank you.